You're listening to Arts Extra for November 28th, 2012. I'm your guest host, Sarah Lapsley. For the next half hour, we'll be talking about the current show at the Morris and Helen Balkan Gallery. And um, it's called State of Mind, New California Art, circa 1970. We'll be talking with gallery director Scott Watson. He's also the head of the art history department um, at UBC. We've got some great music to go along with it, so stay tuned for some high art fun. Let's enjoy together the last few seconds of Mercury from Holst's The Planet Suites. Hi everybody, thanks for listening. It's great to be back in the studio at CITR. Arts Extra is a half hour slot every week after the regular arts report. It gives our correspondents a chance to cover events more in depth. So today we'll be talking about the conceptual art movement in 1970s California. So I just want to shout out to everybody at the station who did such a wonderful job organizing CITR's Diamond 75th Radioversary. It was November 16th to 18th, a very full weekend. Friday was pub night for alumni who had radio shows in the 90s, and it was open to our current volunteers as well. We met at Perch on East Hastings. It was a great space, and they had gluten-free pizza. Lots of our CITR alumni have gone on to successful careers, a large contingent of lawyers. And did you know that um, Terry McBride from Network Records used to have a show here, CITR, in the 90s? He made Sarah McLaughlin famous. Um, he wasn't there, but some star power with Leora Kornfeld. Leora got her start at CITR in the 90s. She went on to CFOX, which was a mainstream rock radio, and then moved to CBC, uh, where she hosted a number of shows, including The Beat, Nightlines, and Radio Sonic with David Wisdom. Now she's a successful media and communications consultant based out of Harvard, and she loves Aerosmith, like me, so it was great to reconnect with her. Randy Iwata from Mint Records was there, and our very own Nardwar, the human serviette. The more dedicated went out for brunch the next day, where they celebrated the Diamond Radioversary with mimosas before noon, and then went on to the Chapel Arts, where they had a night of bands, um, Miss Mar and Friends, Culture Shock, Fine Mist, Channels 3 and 4, Carolyn Mark and the New Best Friends, and Gang Signs. If you come out to campus, you know it's like a massive construction zone. Among other things, they're putting up a new sub-building 
which will house CITR. So I'm feeling a bit nostalgic about our current space. There's so much history here, but I'm sure it'll be the start of a whole new era for the station. Okay, so let's get into it. Um, it's been on my to-do list all fall to cover the show at the Belkin Gallery for the Arts Report. Um, I went into a bit of a panic when I realized that the show closes December 9th. That's 11 days away, so hopefully you will rush out to see it. We're very fortunate to have the show here, and if you love art, and I know you do, you really don't want to miss the show. It was curated by Constance M. Lou Allen and Karen Moss, originally put together at the University of California, Berkeley, and then it went uh, out on the road. So we all know the music that came out of California at that time, like The Grateful Dead and others. Um, we know about like the rise of the Aquarian ideals, political unrest, but there was also a flowering of conceptual art made during that time. Not the psychedelic pop art we're familiar with, but more the high art typically associated with New York and the East Coast. Um, this is a huge show with numerous artists. Many of them went on to great notoriety, including Bruce Nauman and William Wegman, who's made quite a lucrative career uh, photographing special breed of dogs. They wear costumes and pose. Um, they're great photos. And Paul McCarthy. Paul McCarthy was famous for his, uh, among other things, performance art piece, Class Fool, where, quote, McCarthy threw himself around a ketchup-spattered classroom at the University of California, San Diego, until dazed and self-injured. He then vomited several times and inserted a Barbie doll into his rectum. The piece ended when the audience could no longer stand to watch his performance. I think that's like a 10 out of 10 on the black scale. I wouldn't have lasted long. Um, but the common theme, of course, of the Belkin show is they were all living and working in California, and a number of works are photographs and street scenes that depict the cultural and physical landscape. Some are political, some reflect the growing rise of feminism, some are personal works, some are more sort of tasteful pop art flavor. This show reflects the emergence of process art with the artist as performer, um, placing themselves in the landscape and thus modifying it. So that was like new at the time, it's commonplace now. For some, California was so attractive because it represented the future and the freedom to experiment. Artist Bas Jan Adder said it so beautifully. I really love Los Angeles. I love the wildness of the oceans, mountains, and desert. I feel belittled by its enormous scale. I value more than anyone the solitary beauty of the freeways at night. So I have a special fondness for Bas Jan Adder. His work is very poignant. He sought transformation by performance. He's always a solitary, kind of melancholy wanderer, and this is captured in his 1973 work now at the Belkin called In Search of the Miraculous, One Night in Los Angeles. He roams through the streets of L.A., which are depicted in 18 black-and-white photographs, on which he wrote the lyrics to the coaster song Searchin'. Unfortunately, this led him to embark on In Search of the Miraculous Part 2, um, where he sailed off in a little boat from Cape Cod, headed across the Atlantic, destined for Europe, to conclude with another nighttime walk through Amsterdam. Um, unfortunately, he was lost at sea, so it was like the ultimate self-transformation through art, I guess. Um, so as a dedication to Bas Jan Otter, um, here I'm going to play the song by the Coasters, Searchin'. 
How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one -on -one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. You can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle, or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers, or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen, and then get riding. Hi. It's me, Sarah Lapsley, your guest host on Arts Extra for tonight. We're reviewing the show at the Belkin Gallery, State of Mind, New California Art, circa 1970. So I would just want to go right into our interview with the director of the gallery, Scott Watson. I spoke with him this afternoon. And uh, here he is, hopefully. So tell me a little bit about the influences that fostered the art scene in California in the 70s? Oh, gosh, what a question. I don't know if I know the answer to it. Um, I think that um, the California art scene was like the Vancouver art scene in that in the 60s and 1970s, the end of the 60s, um, there's a lot of experimentation going on, and the feeling is, is that the art world is really dominated on, by the centers on the East Coast. So people are kind of um, um, working, feeling they're working on the margin, but they have the freedom of not working in the capital of New York or Toronto. Right. So this experimental yeah. kind of vibe. But as far as like intellectual or artistic influences, um, at this time, not just in California, but everywhere in the art world, I mean, conceptualism is, is a global phenomenon. It happens everywhere in these years. Um, but the particular influences um, that kind of got that to happen in California, you can sort of see it in the show, are the, the politics of the day. There's a bit of anti-war work. Um, a notion that um, there was something wrong with the art market and the art world, um, that it was really just about selling of these luxury goods called paintings, and that art had a different kind of mission um, to really not just represent life, but to maybe engage and change life. Hmm. And those ideas um, are as old as the 20th century. And a lot of scholarship in the 60s kind of brought um, early experimental art from before the First World War to light again for discussion, especially things that had been happening in Russia, which was, was hard to get at because Russia was behind the Iron Curtain. But um, a lot of this research came out in the 60s and was, was influential on people. Hmm. So um, you said that it was sort of a global phenomenon of sort of conceptual art 
rise of it. So what set California apart specifically? You said that politics of the day were a theme. Are there other themes that you see in the show? Well, I think California is set apart because it's on the West Coast. So all the things that pertain to West Coastness are magnified in California. Uh, so um, the West Coast lifestyle, um, California, um, I guess there's two, two main cities involved, San Francisco and Los Angeles, and they're very different. But in Los Angeles, the dominance of the film industry affects all, all artistic activity there, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it, was a, it was a tumultuous time, the late 60s. Yeah, so it just sort of mirrored what was happening I think so. in San Francisco and L.A. at the time. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so was this idea of process art or performance art, was that a part of the global kind of movement, yeah, or was it unique of. to there California? There was a movement, in, um, a transatlantic movement, that was based in New York and Europe called Fluxus from the late 50s, early 60s, and it really emphasized performance. So it was influential on people. And also, some of the California artists had heard of these artists in Vienna who were working in the early 60s called Actionists. And that work is um, a performance uh, based on the, the artist's body becomes the, the, um, the canvas, as, as it were, the place where the art happens. Mm. Um. Some of the artists in the show went on to great notoriety. Is that true? And could you talk about a couple of them? Well, some of the artists in the show are famous artists. So um, Bruce Nauman is, a, is probably one of the most famous of American artists of his generation. He'd be about 70 years old now. He's represented America at the Venice Biennale and had huge shows at major museums all over the world. John Baldessari uh, is, a, is famous because he was a teacher at CalArts for so many years and taught so many people. He also has an immense reputation. Um, Chris Burden is pretty, pretty famous. Um, Eleanor Anton, um, who's coming to talk tomorrow, is, is very well known. Um, and a few others. Um, some, of the, uh, some of the artists are quite obscure. I hadn't heard of them before this show. Hmm. And many people probably hadn't. What about Paul McCarthy? I thought he well, was Paul quite Paul McCarthy's big. pretty big. Yeah. You said Eleanor Anton is coming Anton, to speak. Anton. Anton, sorry. And could you tell me a little bit about uh, her talk tomorrow? Well, I don't know what she's going to talk about. I presume she's going to talk about her work, but it's billed as a performance. Oh, really? Yeah. And what time is it? 6.30. Okay, at the gallery? Yes. Okay, wonderful. And do you have a favorite work in the show? Uh, I don't know that I do. Um, I'm very fond of the Michael Asher piece, mm -hmm. which is that long um, white thing on the wall. And Michael Asher died a few weeks ago. Oh, so really? Kind of sad, yeah. He was very ill. Could um, you tell me a bit about his work or his life? Well, he was known for doing something called institutional critique. And um, so he didn't make very many objects. He altered spaces that he was given. Um, I can give you an example. The last big show of his I saw at the um, museum in Santa Monica, which is not a big place. He had, um, and it had opened in 1970 or something. He had take look at looked at the uh, 
floor plans for every exhibition they had when they built false walls to accommodate the exhibition. And he, he um, with aluminum studs, he, he put those walls back. So it was, it was kind of a maze, a layered maze of these um, aluminum, aluminum studs layering all the, all the exhibitions they'd ever done. Hmm. Wow, that seems kind of ingenious. It, yeah, it was, it was a really intriguing piece. So that's the kind of work he did. Um, this, this show has been to a few other um, museums, and it's, it's different in each venue. So the Michael Asher piece we have was not shown in any other, any other venue. Maybe that's why I like it. Okay. But the other, another piece of his that we didn't install, we couldn't figure out how to install it, but to be typical of his work is that um, you have to find a way to um, pump in a blast of cold air from outside to inside the museum. <laughs> and the person just walks by and feels it. Wow. And that's the piece. Like weather wizardry. or Yeah. But it was it sounds we like a bit do tricky. It. We couldn't figure out how to do it. To so we decided to show that piece instead. Thank you to Scott Watson uh, from the Belkin Gallery for that interview. So I think my favorite piece was called Field Piece by Barbara Smith. It was a sculpture. I think only a small piece of it is on display. It's sort of a giant uh, sculpture. It's got a rubber base and these 10-foot high like plexiglass tubes embedded in it. There's like soft jewel colors with sparkles, kind of like a galactic forest on acid. Um, People used to strip off their clothes and enter this field of plexiglass tubules and mingle around and kind of hug the protuberances and hug each other. Um, so I took off my shoes, but not my clothes. Disrobing is not encouraged at UBC um, and hung around in there. Very cool. Don't miss that. Um, and I think my ultimate favorite was this performance art, art piece, um, this guy traveled around the Bay Area holding graduation ceremonies where he conferred a fake master's degree and doctorates of data as a protest against formal art education. Um, a current musical artist that really evokes the California vibe for me is Steve McBean from Black Mountain. Just his voice and his appearance and demeanor kind of scream early 70s Topanga Canyon. I think he, I last heard he was living in LA and his band the Pink Mountain Tops are playing at the Waldorf on December 15th. So here is his song Plastic Man. It's a really cool song. Yeah, yeah, you can't face me. I 
Liveband.com is Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. New shows are added daily by the city's most active promoters, musicians, and by the driving force of the music scene, the fans. Liveband.com's listings are different because they are integrated with profiles updated by bands and business owners as they promote upcoming events. Check out the archives to see how closely we've worked within the community to put on the shows you love. Visit LiveMusicVancouver.com for the latest independent and major label event listings. LiveVan.com, Vancouver's community-driven concert calendar. Hi. Well, we're seriously uh, almost out of time, so make sure to go see the show at the Belkin Gallery. You can check it out at belkin.ubc.ca. That's State of Mind, New California Arts, circa 1970. 
Over the next couple of weeks for the Arts Report, I'm going to be covering an education event put on by the Vancouver Public Library and Blackbird Theatre in anticipation of their upcoming production of Don Juan. It's called Masks, Mischief, and Moliere, a demonstration and discussion of Commedia dell'arte. That's traditional Italian theatre. If you go, you get to wear theatrical masks, and it's going to be like going back in time so very excited about that and hopefully I'll also be covering um, the voyage at sea part four I've done the first three exhibitions it's a six-part exhibition run over several years so I've done the first three recently went to the opening of part four it's really great Um, and the theme is about ships and shipbuilding and working at sea Um, so you'll be hearing more about that in the very near future Um, so thanks for tuning in to CITR 101.9 for Arts Extra I'm your guest host for today Sarah Lapsley let's leave off with some music Um, here's another artist that evokes 1970s California for me even though he was born in 1981 but he did come of age in San Francisco Um, very cool guy Devendra Banhart fun fact his middle name is Obi his parents named him after Obi-Wan Kenobi Um, so this song is called Gentle Soul and it is for all you gentle souls out there he told me himself he's a gentle soul I saw for myself He's a gentle soul Call me as a calming name Like windowing Call me as a calming name Like windowing Now There's nobody else your babe's little eyes This is number 14 Out of how many tries Your voice has a calming strain I'll whispering Well my voice wants to do the same I'll brothering and clues of colors and hues. 